turning your Bible to the book of Revelation chapter 14. We have two Sundays to finish our series on this, this book of the Bible. So what I thought I'd do today is spend chapter 14 for a few verses and talk about the marks of a Christian. And yes, uh, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you is a great question to ask. And that's kind of what I'm going to talk about today, the marks of Christianity the marks of a Christian. Now, in Revelation chapter 13, there was another famous marking. Do you know what it was? It was the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast. Does anybody know the numbers of the mark of the beast in chapter 13? What was it? 666. That's, when you ask Revelation questions, that's one of the few people know is uh, the mark of the beast, 666. And we wonder today, do we have that mark? Is that our credit card? <laughs> is that our credit card? Um, is that the uh, stamp that they're going to insert in your skin so they'll keep up with your medical records? I don't know about you, but I'm not going to get one of those. I don't want anybody to know what my medical uh, history is. My medical history is so long, just bore you to death anyway. So, uh, you know, I don't care. Um, uh, no, that's not the mark of the beast. Some, some think that it is. But in order to do business in the community, you had to have the mark of the beast. Now, what did the mark represent? What, who, does, who is 666? Well, if you uh, take the numbers of the Hebrew alphabet and the Greek alphabet and add them up and uh, apply uh, a number to each letter, uh, you will come up with the name Nero. Caesar Nero is the number for 666. And uh, he um, epitomizes the evil of the day in which this book was written. Um, Babylon is a, a sign of Rome. And Babylon is going to be defeated here in the next few chapters. And there's a great celebration and revelation of the fall of Babylon. And so Revelation is a message of encouragement and consolation to believers, a word of uh, encouragement to be faithful to the very end because we will win. We have overcome through the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world, and that's Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. And any Caesar or any Babylon, any Rome, is going to fall. Now, there were three reasons why Rome fell, according to the writers. Uh, one was internal strife. Uh, rotten from within, if you will, the lack of integrity. Another reason that Rome fell were the uh, outside forces that came and challenged the strength of Rome, and uh, Rome could not stand, and finally Rome fell. And thirdly, Rome fell simply because uh, there was no more reason to persecute Christians. The integrity of Christians stood strong. They were willing to die for their faith. And people got sick and tired of them dying at the arenas. And they said, no more of this, no more of this. And so the pleasure that came from watching Christians being slaughtered 
had a reverse effect on the strength of Rome, and Rome actually fell. And it's prophesied in this book of the Bible as the great Babylon uh, that has fallen. And so there are songs here in the next few chapters about the fall of Babylon. Now, in review, we remember that Revelation started out with a prologue. And the prologue talked about who John was, how he received his vision from God, how it was given to him through an angel, and that he wrote down what he saw. The second part is his message to the seven churches of Asia Minor. Uh, Philadelphia, Laodicea, Smyrna, those kinds of churches. And each of these seven churches was encouraged to be an overcomer, to be strong in the faith because there's more persecution to come. Uh, It's not over yet, but if you will be faithful, God will give you a reward. If you will be a Nike Christian, if you'll be an overcomer, God will give you a reward. And every reward to every church in Revelation, uh, beginning in chapter 2, is also the same reward in Revelation chapter 20, 21, and 22. And so these promises of eternal life, these promises of God to the churches, uh, are the promises that are fulfilled at the end of the book. And then we come to this integral part of Revelation that I've encouraged you to go to Facebook, not Facebook, but go to YouTube, and if you will, type in Bible Project, Bible Project Revelation. And uh, there is a, there is a uh, ministry that has taken each book of the Bible and written a very short, uh, and it's quick, you've got to listen, and you, of course with YouTube you can hit the reverse button and you can go back and listen to it again, which is what I have to do. And they will carry you through the book of Revelation. And here's what you'll understand. Number one, there's a series of seven seals on a scroll. In this integral part of Revelation that makes up the the major chapters here. It begins with the opening of of this scroll. And there's seven seals. This means perfect. And when you get to the seventh seal, there's seven more trumpets. Okay? And each of the trumpets uh, begins uh, with the four horsemen, uh, the first trumpet, the second, and the fourth trumpet, and then there are three more trumpets. And then when you get to the seventh trumpet, there's an interlude, there's a waiting time. And we have the 144,000 that are named as the followers of Jesus Christ. And these followers of Jesus have been sealed unto the day of redemption, unto the return of Jesus Christ. To be sealed means that you're saved. It does not mean you will avoid the pain of life, but it does mean you will overcome and you will be victorious if you will be faithful. So the encouragement is to be faithful and to be sealed from the uh, wrath of God so that you don't endure the wrath of God. You are saved and sealed from the wrath of God. Then after the interlude, there are now seven tableaus are short stories about the woman and Satan and she bearing the the child that was born and she escaped to the desert and uh, Satan began to chase her and her descendants, uh, which is the church, and on and on those stories go. So there's seven of those. When you get to the seventh tableau, 
there are now seven trumpets. I mean, seven bowls of wrath. Seven bowls of wrath. And in these seven bowls of wrath, the judgment of God comes upon the world, much like the plagues of Egypt. Uh, God's people endured those. But guess who saved? Guess who endures? Guess who is not harmed by the wrath of God in these seven bowls of wrath? Believers. Those who are faithful to Jesus Christ. And they have a mark also. They have a mark also. It is not the mark of the beast. It's the mark you want to have in your life and mine. So what are the marks of a Christian? What are these marks of a believer? And when you go to Revelation chapter 14, he talks about that. He said, I looked and behold, the Lamb was standing on Mount Zion. With him there was 144,000. Remember, these are the same 144,000 that are mentioned in chapter 7 that were sealed. Having his name and the name of his Father written on their foreheads. So what was the... What was the mark of the Christian? The name of God the Father. Now, how would you symbolize the name of God? What, what, what might you use to symbolize, to capture in a, a symbol the name of the Heavenly Father? What might you have used? These were seen in the caves uh, of the early Christian times, the catacomb caves where, where the people who died, they were buried in the catacombs. Um, these symbols were found there. What would be one of them? Do you, do you recall? You've seen them on people's bumpers. You've seen them on the back of a pickup truck. You've seen them in today. What would one of them be? A fish. Yes, yes, a fish. And that became the symbol. What would be another symbol? A cross. A cross would be the symbol of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the symbol of the Heavenly Father. And so I would ask you today, what symbols are you carrying around that indicate that you are a follower of Jesus Christ? Well, that water's good. Do you realize four people have breathed on that before I drink it? <laughs> I don't bother. I'm so thirsty, that doesn't bother me at all, Bill. Um, what would be a symbol that you carry around that when people see you, they say, there goes a Christian? What would be one of your symbols? What would it be? Do you carry a cross? Anybody carry a cross? Yeah, we're talking more about your integrity. We're talking more about your character. We're talking more about who you are that's reflected in your behavior that people see very quickly. In fact, a lot of times, the crosses we carry don't match the character that, that we carry around. And we certainly want our character to match our crosses, right? And your reputation as well. People know who you are by how you behave. That's right. And so these are symbols that we carry around that people see before they really get to know us uh, that we are a follower of Jesus Christ and we represent the Heavenly Father. Let's, let's look at some more. Verse 2, he said, I heard a voice from heaven like the sound of many waters 
and like the sound of a loud thunder, and the voice which I heard was the voice of the sound of harpists, uh, of harpists playing on their harps. Now this is usually the symbol of heaven, uh, people in, in a, on a cloud playing a harp, you know. And we, we picture heaven as being like that. Now, how many of you can play a harp? I can't. I can't. I, I wish I could. I, it's a beautiful instrument to hear, but uh, I can't play the harp. So when I get to heaven, I'm probably not going to be playing a harp. Okay? Uh, it's probably going to be something else there. But what does a harpist indicate? What is a harpist leading other people to do? A harpist is leading people to do what? Starts with a W. Next letter's O. Next letter's R. Next letter's S. What would it be? Worship. Worship. Y'all really getting into Revelation now, aren't you? Too bad we're number four down the line here. We're about through. Um, yeah, you are leading people in worship. That's a sign or a mark of a Christian. Your life, your character, who you are, how you behave with others, uh, tells them who you really, really are. To hear your laugh reminds me of the children in Sunday school that were drawing pictures of the Christmas story. And uh, little Johnny had drawn a little airplane. And inside the airplane, he had three characters, three heads sticking up on the inside of the airplane. And uh, uh, so the teacher asked him, said, well, little Johnny, I see you got an airplane. I can't figure out what that has to do with Christmas. But I see three heads sticking up inside that airplane. What's, what's that about? Oh, he said, that's Joseph and Mary and Pilate on their flight to Egypt. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> flight to Egypt. All right. Christmas is for children. Well, the mark of a Christian is, now y'all didn't laugh much, but when you leave here, you're going to tell somebody that story, aren't you? You're going to, did y'all hear about that? But we're leading other people in worship. All right, here's another mark. Verse 3 says, They sang a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders, and no one could learn the new song except the 144,000 who had been purchased from the earth. What is their symbol here in this passage of Scripture? They have a song of salvation. They have a testimony of transformation. You see, the angels can't sing that song because they've not experienced redemption. There are angels all throughout the Bible. There are a lot of angels in this book of the Bible. And uh, these angels, uh, uh, you'll find again and again, uh, defied God and, and were dismissed from heaven and they were following the great Satan himself, who was a Lucifer, who was a star of the morning, who was the bright and shining star angel. But he decided in conceit that he was so strong that he could defy God. And God said, no, there's only one God. and You can't be on the team if you're not going to serve me. And so Satan was dismissed from heaven. And there lies the beginning of sin, the beginning of temptation, uh, the, the introduction of sin into the created order uh, through these angels. Now the book of James says that if you have sin in your life, it's not the angel's fault. And you can't blame the devil. Because he said sin in your life is the result of inner lust and passions that you have. 
And Satan throws out a bait, and you bite the bait, and you commit a sin. You are lured, he said. That's a lure, uh, to use a fishing uh, uh, analogy. And he said, Christians often go for the lure of sin. We are lured away. But he said, we are lured, not by Satan. We are lured, not by angels. What are we lured by? Our own lust. We are led and lured, tempted, by our own lust. All right, so these um, creatures are singing a song of salvation. They have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's eternal light. Now there's another sign. These are the ones who have not uh, defiled with women, for they have kept themselves chaste. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. These have purchased from among the men as firstfruits to God and to the Lamb. There are three images here in this one verse of Scripture. Uh, the first image is, uh, if you read that, you think, well, they're all men. These 144,000, they're all men because they've not been with women. But that's not the picture here. The picture goes back to the Old Testament idea of a marching army uh, that's getting ready, ready for the next day's battle. And no soldier is to have been with a woman the night before battle. His mind and his training is focused upon the battle at hand. Not the woman back home, not life yesterday, and so he is not tempted to turn back. You see that? He is not tempted to turn back. His attention is focused on the upcoming battle that lies ahead. And you and I will do well to focus on the temptations, that are, that the battles that lie ahead of us, so that we look to the slain lamb who leads us. It says they follow the lamb. They follow the lamb. So these are soldiers who are following the slain lamb who died for the sins of the world. And this slain lamb is the king of kings and the lord of lords. And when this lamb comes back again, he's not going to come back as a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He's going to come back on a horse. And on his side are going to be written the words, faithful and true. Faithful and true. And so when this Christ returns, he is coming back in judgment. Now listen to this carefully. In the book of Revelation, God's wrath is poured out upon people and they do not repent. If you'll notice, every time God pours his wrath out, the people do not repent. Their hearts continue to be hardened. But the ones who do repent are the ones who see the lamb that was slain on the cross. It is the compassion, hear this, it is the compassion and the love of God for sinners like you and me who know we are lost, who are deep in our shame and embarrassment, 
know that God loves us so much that he would die for us that causes our hearts to change and to be transformed. God does not win us with a brick bat. He wins our hearts through his self-giving love. That's the God we follow. That's the God we serve. And that's the mark of a Christian that we follow and serve in selfless love, the one who gave his life for us. Wherever the Lamb goes, he fo- they follow. And these have been purchased from among men as firstfruits to God and to the Lamb. Uh, that's the picture of the high priest. And the picture of the priest in each family that was selected, the elder child, Uh, We are like elder children with Jesus Christ. We are his brothers and we are his sisters because we have been adopted into this family of God. And we are also first fruits in the sense that we are the first of the harvest to be offered to God. And our role in this world is to be offering givers. That's the mark of a Christian. We are offering givers. And so when I think about the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, and I've been challenged by Robin to give a little more this year, I'm thinking, well, what percentage more does the Lord want me to give? I've been blessed. It's there. All I got to do is give it. And if I will give till I feel it, to feel it hurt just a little bit. In other words, I can't eat out quite as often or I can't buy something I'd really like to buy if I give this much more, then I'm giving till it hurts just a little bit. And when I feel that pain, I begin to understand what giving sacrificially is really all about. Let your best gift be to Jesus. Don't spend more money on anybody else. And you all have been gracious to give us Christmas gifts We thank you, we appreciated it, but we've we've got enough, folks. Give to the Lord. Give to the Lord. And give until you begin to feel it impact uh, what you have left. And that'll be the sacrificial part that you're giving. And that'll be the mark that you are a Christian because you give sacrificially. That's how Jesus gave for us. And that's how we're to give when we follow him. Let's bow our heads together. Lord, we ask that your hand of blessing be upon our congregation during this time of invitation. There are people here who need to come forward and give their life to you. And I pray that while we sing this song, they'll just simply come and sit on the front row and We'll counsel after this song is over about what it means to follow Christ and to be baptized. We pray, Lord, that they'll come today. Others who want to unite with our church from a sister church, we pray that they'll come as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You, too, can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. 
Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Akron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Akron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Akron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.